BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. Alabama wins! What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to a Big Boy Journalism edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Alabama fans, have we got a treat for you. We are joined tonight by Kennington Lloyd-Smith. Paul Feinbaum heralds as the best name in the biz, and I have to agree with that. Kennington joins us tonight. He is new on the Alabama uh, beat, taking over Aaron Suttle's role as the Alabama beat reporter uh, for The Athletic. And so we spend some quality time uh, with Kennington, getting to know him uh, his background, sort of where he's uh, grown up in the industry, just an astounding rise that he has had. And so it was a pleasure to get to speak with him tonight. He is a promising uh, young man uh, in the journalism profession and uh, certainly look forward to his coverage of Alabama football. We talk across quite a lot of topics. And so uh, let me just stop talking and hand to the interview. Go. Hey, welcome back, Alabama fans. And have we got a treat for you? We have Kennington Lloyd Smith, heralded as the best name in the biz. Uh, Kennington's an award-winning writer, uh, most recently covering Iowa football and men's basketball with the Des Moines Register, and new as of May, the brand new Alabama beat reporter for The Athletic. Kennington, thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, and I'm really excited to be down here in Alabama. It's been about six weeks, so still trying to get my feet up under me, but uh, I'm really excited to be here and really excited to get on the beat and tell these stories and and connect and engage with the fans, so I appreciate you having me on. Fantastic. I want to talk about the last couple of six, uh, the last few weeks, six weeks, but let's talk about you a little bit and, and your history. Uh, 2019, not that long ago, and you were covering high school sports in South Carolina. Uh, that's quite an ascension uh, over the last couple of years. Uh, I've got to ask you, come clean with us on the Kennington time schedule. Uh, are you on pace with your plans for sports media domination? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, if you would have told me 
in 2019, like you said, that in 2023, I would be covering Alabama football for The Athletic. I'd probably call you crazy because it took me a few years even graduating from college to, to get a job. I'm a University of Georgia graduate, and it took me almost 18 months to find a full-time job in journalism. So even envisioning that at that point was unfathomable to me, but I got into the business in South Carolina covering high school sports and was able to tell some really good stories. And it's just been kind of in a super upward trajectory from there. Um, got a chance to appear on SEC Network a few times in South Carolina through some work that I did in the summer of 2020. And I got discovered, I guess you could say, by the Des Moines Register from there, who literally just sent me a cold message like, hey, want to cover the Big Ten? And I was like, I mean, yeah, for sure. Why not? So absolutely. You know, no hesitation, packed up everything I had, moved to Iowa on a whim and had a great two years there. And then the, the people at The Athletic reached out and there was an opening here for Alabama. So I applied, interviewed for it, and here I am. So late 20s, covering Alabama football for um, a pretty prestigious outlet and, you know, in the heart of the college athletic space. So I'm right exactly where I, where I want to be. And um, I can't wait to see what happens in this role and um, ultimately what happens in my future. Fantastic. That's a, it is, it is uh, quite impressive. You know, aside from the obvious, right. You were covering high school not that long ago, close enough that, you know, it still sort of resonates you, right. You, you have the residue uh, of that, uh, you know, big 10 uh, SEC, uh, I, I like to consider that three progressive steps, but hey, but talk about talk about uh, maybe some of the interesting differences that you're experiencing. And I know you're new on the Alabama beat, but just uh, as you've made sort of that progression, what are some of the interesting, maybe non-obvious uh, differences that you've experienced uh, along that path? Yeah, I think the the way to operate as a media member in each of those spaces is different, but I think they all have transferable skills in order to continue to do great work. Covering high school sports is so great, and especially for a young journalist, because it allows you the opportunity to make mistakes. So there is opportunities for me to misspell a kid's name in an article, and I get a nice email from a parent like, hey, thank you so much for for writing about my my kid where we're loving it. However, his name is spelled this, or he plays this business or she plays this position. Right. And it's, a you know, okay, let me change it right quick to where now, like, and this, especially in this role of Alabama, let's say I misidentify Jalen Milrow or I misidentify Malik Benson. That could be a cancelable offense for, for the fan base. So to be able to make those mistakes is one difference. And then obviously the access. I mean, when I, when you're covering high school sports, you can walk into the athletic director's office anytime you want, yep. do anything you want. Hey, I want to do a story on your five best football players. I want this much access, da, da, da. And it's like rolling out the red carpet for you. Once you get to college, there's obviously a different level of restriction of, of access and even within that, colleges are different. Like Iowa, for example, they have regular media availabilities with their football players um, throughout the summer and their basketball players throughout the summer. So today, as as we're speaking, there's probably 15 football players from Iowa's team made available right now in a media scrum where here at Alabama is obviously a lot more restricted. It's a lot different. So you have to be more creative with how you um, search for stories, how you create sources, talking to parents, talking to trainers, high school coaches, just kind of working around that in order to continue to put out great content. So differences at every level, but at its core, it's about storytelling and finding good stories and telling um, 
you know, fan stories that they want to hear and finding things that are interesting and putting it um, out on your platform um, in a way that's that's consumable for people and that people are going to engage with. So differences everywhere, lessons learned everywhere that I've been at. And I hope that all those things kind of converge here in Alabama to where um, I can provide the best content I can and hopefully fans enjoy what I bring to the table. Fantastic. Is there a story or a nugget when when you took uh, sort of the role as a uh, uh, you know, covering, covering high school and sort of translated that into an opportunity to get on a fine bomb, an opportunity to get on the SEC network, which really sounds like that became sort of a, uh, a right. launching board. So there was an idea that you sort of had, had an idea, germinated an idea, put it into motion. And then that sort of became something of a springboard. What is there, is there, uh, I don't know, is there some raw material there, maybe a story? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it all, comes down to one relationship really that I that I was able to cultivate when I was in South Carolina. There's a quarterback coach there in the state named Ramon Robinson, where anybody in South Carolina, if you have a, a son, brother, nephew, friend that plays quarterback, they probably have crossed paths with him in some capacity. I mean, he trains all throughout the state. And the story that ultimately got me on Feinbaum the first time and kind of launch pad in my career was in the summer of 2020, the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, the height of COVID and sports all intersected at once where there was a, a, a point in time where athletes, especially on the college level, understood the platform that they had. So they could use right. their platform to speak on Black Lives Matter voting, voter registration, and also advocating to play that fall. Because at that point in you know, June, it was up in the air. And Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields at that time were the two prominent stars in the sport. They're really advocating for it. So being in South Carolina, I was right there close to Clemson. I was right there close to the University of South Carolina. And there was a player on South Carolina's team, Jay Urich, who kind of went viral on social media at a team protest and a voter registration drive uh, with the sign that he wore. And Martin Luther King's daughter reposted him on Twitter and he became like an overnight sensation. Well, he played high school sports in the town where I was covering high school and his personal coach was Ramon Robinson, who I built oh, a relationship wow. with. So a lot of outlets were trying to reach out to, to Jay and talk to him about this experience. And Ramon called me and said, hey, a lot of people are trying to talk to Jay. I want you to talk to him. Nice. This is uh, I want you to connect with them. And, and you put out the story. So I put out that story and it did well locally. And then a week later, I get hit up by the Feinbaum show right. and say, hey, we want to talk to you about COVID and high school sports because we want to know how it affects high school athletes there. Cause I had done a lot of reporting on it at that point. And we want to talk to you a little bit about Jay and his sign, and we can just kind of do a dual interview. Yeah. So the first time me and Paul probably talked for 20, 25 minutes. I mean, the segment was so long. I was expecting it to be like 10 minutes right. and a few questions. And we talked very little about COVID and high school sports. We talked a lot about Jay, the sign, um, you know, black lives matter movement, all of that. And from that conversation, me and Paul really hit it off. And he had me on the show three or four more times that year in, in 2020. And it was through those appearances that I was able to get discovered by the Des Moines Register and progress, I guess, through the through the industry. So that was kind of like my big break. And like I said, it all kind of came back to, to one relationship. So that's kind of what I want to do here in Alabama is cultivate relationships with anybody that I can close to the program within the program and hopefully be able to um, kind of parlay those relationships into telling really good feature stories, good enterprise pieces and, and yeah. 
doing pieces of content that fans are really interested in. So that was kind of how I, I used that to kind of ascend to the the point I am now. And I'm really thankful that I was able to, to have that opportunity. That's phenomenal. That's a great story. Thanks for sharing that. That's a, I, I love sort of the context and, and how that unfolded. Uh, and, and, and you maximize, you capitalize on it, right? You took sort of advantage of the situation uh, and delivered. That's awesome. Uh, talk about, uh, uh, you know, there's a storyline that um, I'm going to see a grin on your face in just a minute. I'm going to say just enough words and you're going to know what I'm, what I'm, where I'm going. There's a storyline that's going to come out uh, that's going to evolve all season long coming out of Iowa football. And, and you're uniquely positioned because you were, you were sort of there and now you're not there. So you can speak to it with a little bit of remove uh, you know, the, the Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, his contract situation, 25 points a game. What's your, uh, what's your perspective on that? What's your thought on giving up probably the easiest reoccurring writing series that you could have for the next, you know, three months. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that is two things that I'm going to miss most about living in Iowa and being on the beat there is one, not being able to watch this saga play out in real time because it is so fascinating and it is going to get a level of national attention that is going to be notable. And I think even last year was really the time to kind of get in and, and get in on it. And the second one is obviously watching Caitlin Clark play yeah, it yeah. in person, the, the women's basketball star. But going back to Brian Ferentz, I mean... It's it's so interesting because coming from the South, and like I said, I'm from Atlanta, went to Georgia. I know a lot about the SEC. The level of impatience and the level of pressure that comes with being a high-level coordinator in the South to underperform the way that Brian Ferentz has for several years now. I mean, he's been the offensive coordinator for seven years. I believe they've been 100th or worse in total offense every year but one. That would not happen Right. in the south for that period of time relative or not to like yeah your first year okay first year we'll give him all again second year he'd be gone right yeah. so being in that space in Iowa it was really just kind of unique being able to kind of get my perspective of somebody from the south and knowing how schools operate down here and seeing the whole thing play out in in Iowa but one thing I will say about it in my opinion on the matter of why it's been able to persist for so long is Kirk Ferentz, um, great football coach, obviously winner, um, likely Hall of Famer. But Iowa is such a unique place because he is somebody who is so deeply embedded into the history of that program. And he was an assistant with Hayden Fry in the 80s. That re that was the resurgence of the program. And then when the program started to taper off in the late 90s and Kirk Ferentz took it over, he revived Iowa back to national relevance. So it's kind of one of those things where not only people my age or your age love Kirk Ferentz, but your parents love Kirk Ferentz, right? And people mm -hmm. bigger than me love Kirk Ferentz. I mean, here are four or five generations, generations. of friends that are so deeply invested in him. So it is hard to kind of see um, what's happening and the potential that's being capped on the program. And have a level of criticism with with Kirk because at the end of the day, Iowa is still a winning program. So um, it was just really interesting to see. I think the the twenty five points per game mark is um, incredibly low. Obviously, um, that would be I believe eighty ninth in total scoring this past year. So the bar isn't very high. Um, and the pressure is going to be on. I mean, the athletic director, Gary Barter, Barda, um, just retired. So there's a, there's going to be new leadership. So there really isn't anything kind of tethering 
um, you know, the school administration to Brian Ferentz. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Um, but one thing I will say about Iowa, they aggressively went into the portal, kind of retooled the whole offense. So there are going to be no excuses on the table. But I would I would encourage everybody, you know, if Alabama was not playing until 3.30 and Iowa was playing the noon game, just check it out. Yeah, you should you should tune in. And yeah. just uh, and just kind of see what was happening in um in other places. So uh, I'm really looking forward to to watching the entire thing played out. I'm still um very much gonna be paying attention to what happens out there. I feel like I'm vested interest now since I've been out there for a few years, and I think that's gonna be one of the more entertaining storylines in college football this year. I agree. I agree. And uh, you have a unique sort of position relative to that one. Let's, uh, let's turn our eyes to, to Alabama. You're taking over for Aaron Suttles. I would say, call it my opinion, uh, I think uh, uh, Aaron was probably the best active beat reporter that Alabama has had over the last couple of years. Uh, so it's it's a phenomenal opportunity. Call it big shoes uh, to fill. How does an opportunity uh, like that, you said you were maybe looking uh, at, at something, a couple of different move opportunities, the athletic, it sounded like they reached out to you. There's only so many of these jobs available, right? These beat reporter uh, positions. Uh, what is, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, behind the scenes uh, that, you know, normal folks don't have an exposure to. What's the job market look like? What's the communication channels uh, sort of look like that presented such an opportunity to you? Yeah, I mean, to to get a job in sports journalism is incredibly hard and it's only getting harder. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the 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 way that the economy is set up right now and I'm no economist and I'm not going to turn this into a political conversation, but the way that the the landscape is right now nationally, there has been a lot of layoffs in a lot of different industries and it is particularly affecting journalism and newspapers are starting to to cut back and so are online publications, so mm-hmm to in order to find a, a job it is it's really competitive and you you kind of see it is very common for people in the position that I'm in even when I was in Iowa to have that position and to hold on to it for a really long time because on one end it is prestigious but on the other end you don't know when another opportunity like that is going to present itself so a lot of getting jobs in journalism I'm sure is like any other industry where it is one part skill and production and the other part is who you know and who can connect you to to get to these channels. So um, there's a colleague from The Athletic who covers Iowa, Scott Doctorman, who kind of told me before the position was posted that this was going to be coming available. So when I saw the position posted, everybody it must have seemed like everybody who worked for The Athletic posted it on their channels. And I'm like, man, this is going to be so hard to get. Right. Um, but I just applied on blind faith and I put Scott down as a reference and the athletic, um, you know, reached out to me, interviewed me. It was, uh, it was a bit of a different process because like I said, I was in the process of negotiating potentially another job leaving Iowa. So we kind of had to put it on an expedited timeline, sure. but they ended up hiring me. Um, and it was kind of like a speechless moment when they called me and said, Hey, it's you. I probably didn't say anything for 30 seconds. I was so surprised. I was so surprised and so happy, but um, you know, to answer your question, it is incredibly hard to, um, you know, to find a job in sports journalism right now because of, you know, just kind of the national landscape. And once you're in the industry to kind of be on an upper trajectory to a position like this, I mean, this um, to cover Alabama for the athletic or really to be able to cover Alabama for any major publication, I mean, AL.com, Rivals on three, if you're at, at the, in this space in a prominent role, you are in the top percentile of sports journalists out there. I mean, there's not a lot of opportunities like this I agree. that I agree. That, that exist. So it's, 
it's tough and it's it's going to be a challenge obviously there's going to to be um a steep learning curve learning how the athletic does things their culture how they want to tell stories but also being in this in this space and in this beat that's highly competitive like i said i named you know, three or four publications just now that have full teams and, and writers here and people have been here for, for years. And there are other um, competitors, I'm sure um, I didn't name that I, I have to be aware of as well. So it's going to, to be a challenge. And like you said, filling in for Aaron is going to to be a challenge as well. I've gotten a chance to meet him and he, yeah. he is um, a nice guy. So looking forward to being a chance to kind of meet with him in person and kind of pick yeah. his brain a, a little bit about the beat. But I'm just going to kind of come in, be myself, do what's gotten me here and continue to, to improve. Yeah. Continue to improve um, the skills that got me here, you know, continue to learn on the beat as well. And hopefully be able to kind of carve out an issue of myself on the beat. I feel like that's my primary goal. And I feel like that should be anybody's goal yeah. on any beat, regardless of who you're, who you're covering or who you're covering it for to be able to have a distinct quality or distinct niche on the beat to know fans can come to, Kennington Smith for this, or they can go to on three for this, or they can go to ale.com for this or Tuscaloosa, whatever, whatever it is, you know, knowing that, um, you know, I can go to this person for, for this information, I think is the goal for anybody. So that's, that's my goal to kind of come in, figure out what that niche is, and then hopefully um, build on that and, and provide some great coverage. Fantastic. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And we'll just roll, roll up uh, our sleeves a little bit. Uh, you know, as of six weeks ago, it's a new team, you know, for you, right? It's a it's a new team. It's a new group of people, a new team's plural because you're covering multiples. Uh, it's new people. It's it's new storylines. Uh, you talked about sort of the breaking baseball story just as you were sort of, you know, getting into, into position. Uh, what's sort of your process for, for ramping up? And, uh, and, you know, there's a little bit of ramping up, getting to know the, literally the players and figuratively the players, uh, you know, to be productive and, and, uh, and efficient in your role. What's sort of your ramp up process? Yeah. Well, Al- the Alabama was interesting for me personally, especially, let me start on the football side, yeah, yeah. knowing being from the South and growing <laughs> up in Georgia, going to Georgia, keeping up with that, the SEC, I had a foundational knowledge of Alabama football just 
being a, a fan of the SEC. So I knew, I know who Jalen Milrow is. I know who Jermaine Burton is and Ja'Cory Brooks and Kool-Aid McKenzie. I know who these players are. I don't know the nuances of the inside linebacker battle at the time or trying to retool the interior of the defensive line. I didn't know those specifics, but I knew what Alabama's football team is, what um, where they are in the space, where they are in recruiting players that they're going after. I kind of knew that, but I didn't know the nuances. So even before I got the job, I was watching every single spring practice press conference. I watched all the Nick Saban's pressers. I watched all the players' pressers. I watched a day live. And then I went back and watched it a few more times, even before I had the job, just kind of preparing as much as I could beforehand. Things like the baseball scandal is just very much on the fly training. I mean, I remember I moved into, I moved to Tuscaloosa. And I think the day after that, I was driving to Montgomery for the Troy game. That was one of the first games that Jason Jackson was um, interim coaching following the Vanderbilt series and just kind of, um, you know, pulling up to the stadium with not a story idea in mind, but just kind of observing, seeing if I can get an interview afterwards and just kind of diving head first. Basketball, obviously, um, I was able to keep up with them covering Iowa basketball last year, but it was going to be a new team. You know, Brandon Miller was the departing and so was Noah Clowney and um, Bidiaco also decided to, to stay in the draft. So I knew that was going to be a new team. So just trying to study up on the players that are returning, trying to look at their recruiting and and seeing what I could kind of you know get from that as well so it's like a different approach for for different sports um so that's kind of like my approach I feel like I'm continuing to learn and trying to learn something new every single day um because like I said there's people all uh, on the beat with foundational knowledge either growing up in Alabama covering the team for a long time so for me it's like a lot of playing catch-up but um, I'm not afraid to admit that I don't know what I don't know. Uh, right. And um, and I'm very much so very accepting and receptive to feedback from readers and subscribers, fans. They have story ideas. If I if I have a blind spot in, in my reporting, I would encourage somebody to let me know because that is ultimately going to help me put out better sure. content. And it's gonna help. Um, it's gonna help us kind of have a better relationship as a writer to, um, you know, to readers, subscribers, and fans. So, um, fortunately, to this point, um, you know, knock on wood, the the stories that I put out with the athletic, I read the subscriber comments and I interact with them from time to time. There hasn't been anybody that's commented and said something like, "This dude has no idea what he's talking about." <laughs> This dude is so off base. He he doesn't belong. There hasn't been any of that. It's been mostly positive. So um, I appreciate everybody who's Absolutely. kind of commented, interacted with me and everything. But that's my approach. Um, you know, I kind of want to be a sponge. I want to learn as much as I can in, in any avenues that, that I can do so. No, you're you're putting out good stuff. I'm I'm enjoying it. I was gonna let it slide, uh, but you you mentioned you've brought it up three. I'm I'm smiling. Uh yeah. <laughs> you, you brought it Georgia three times. Is this gonna be a problem? <laughs> It's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be a problem. I mean, it's just, it is, it is where I'm from. Um, I didn't go to the school. You know, I did grow up a fan, but one thing I will say about our journalism school specifically, and I'm sure it's like this at a lot of places, but I, this is just my personal experience. We were taught that fanship was not tolerable as a beat reporter. You have to be objective. So I am at our journalism school in our sports media program, if you showed up wearing a team logo, you got an F for the day and you got kicked out of class. It didn't, have, it, it didn't matter what it was. It could have been Florida Marlins kicked out for the day. Like, we don't we do not do that here. So I, I learned very early on to right. check it at the door and to and to be a, um, an objective reporter. So it's not going to affect anything that that I put out. And, you know, I'm not going to have, you know, anti 
Bama bias, pro Georgia bias. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be doing any of that. I'm just going to call it like I see it. And I would hope that fans give me a fair opportunity and that when they Absolutely. read my stuff and that when they read my stuff, they say, okay, you know what? This dude, uh, this dude knows what he's talking about, regardless of of you know where I'm from or where I went to school. So I am a professional. I pride myself on on being that. Um, you know, like you said, I've been able to to be fortunate to win awards multiple categories across yeah. multiple states. So um, now I hope I'm coming in with a little bit of of credibility there, and I'm I'm looking forward to kind of building that trust within the fans and, like I said, putting out some good stuff. Absolutely, I like what uh, Scott Van Pelt says. He said, he, you know, we're all from somewhere, right? And right, so exactly. now you put that aside and you do the job. And so uh, I, I will, you know, certainly a lot of respect for that. We've all heard the expression, you know, Mike Tyson, uh, Mike Tyson says, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. Right. And uh, you know, the college football equivalent to that might be a Nick Saban press conference. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have you thought about uh, sort of your approach for uh, you know, for, for uh, introducing questions or, or getting into uh, that, that level of dialogue with coach. Yeah, I think for me personally, I think that a few things is understanding and kind of picking up on like nuances and things that he doesn't respond to. Well, for example, like I'm not going to ask anything about the depth chart. Right. <laughs> and I, yeah, don't, don't ask anything about the depth chart. And I think the biggest thing is to just go in there with a plan and to be very direct in your questioning. And this isn't just a Nick Saban exclusive thing. I think this is like a coach thing. If you go in and ask a coach this long nuanced question with multiple outs in your in your question, they're going to be able to pick something up on that and kind of hijack your question and answer it in a in a way that maybe you're not. That's not a quote that that you're looking for. Right. So, if I if I go into a presser and it's Kirk Ferentz or Nick Saban or Fran McCaffrey, Iowa's basketball coach, and Nate Oates, and I and I'm saying, well, um, in this game, this happened, and then this happened. What do you think led to the outcome? Was it this? Was it this? Was it that? Well, now. You, the question is a little bit all over the place. So you're kind of giving them an opportunity to pick one thing or another, kind of take it in another direction. So my plan is to just be very prepared, ask a question as simple and, and direct as I can, and hopefully get a direct answer back. Um, you know, obviously Saban is an intense person and he sometimes uses those media questions to kind of get a message across to his team. And that might come across in a fiery way. So, um, you know, just understanding that um, it, it's not personal and to, and just like, with a player on the field, you know, I might ask a question that that he doesn't appreciate, or I might ask a question in which he kind of uses that to kind of a, a fiery answer, but it has to be a next play, next question type of mentality, right? I can't let it linger because if I do and I overthink the next question, it could be kind of an avalanche effect from, from there. So I feel like I've gotten decent amount of experience with that in Iowa. Kirk Ferentz is a pretty um, laid back guy. He's really not going to get too fiery. Uh, I know Fran McCaffrey has that reputation nationally of being like this, like demonstrative yeah. figure, but he um, never got that way in press conferences, at least that I was in. So I haven't really had that experience with a, a coach that's kind of like gotten um, a bit fiery and oppressor, but I know it's coming, right? There's right. not going to be, it's going to be somewhere else. Like I, I just know that my day and my time is coming. So I'm going to try to be lighthearted about it, but that's my strategy personally is just to come in prepared, have a game plan, and try to ask them things as directly as, as I can to hopefully get a, a really good direct answer back. You know, sometimes he comes in, uh, uh, Saban comes in prepared, uh, and, and he's going to use the press card. It doesn't matter what the question is. Uh, right. he, he'll even go on a rant and come back and say, I don't know what your question was. And uh, so is so so in the room, maybe Aaron's alluded to this, uh, uh, in the room, is that sort of a merit badge opportunity? Do you guys kind of look at each other like uh, it's – 
it's Kennington's turn today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hope. I mean, I'm sure that's what's going to happen, right? So when I was in Iowa, like I said, there really wasn't a moment where that's happened. But there right. are, kind of, you know, some things nuance wise where, where fellow reporters are like, okay, like welcome to the club, right? So I I've gotten a chance to meet several guys um, on the beat from different publications. They're all pretty cool. So nice. uh, you know, we've had an amicable relationship so far. So I'm sure a moment like that is coming. I'm I'm going to ask Saban about the safety battle or something like that. And maybe ask him about Caleb Downs or something like that. And it's just going to go into a, a whole nother direction. And, you know, the guys are going to be like, yeah, well, welcome to the club. That's just kind of, that's just kind of how it is. So right. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I want to say I'm prepared for, like I said, I haven't been in that situation, but trying to mentally prepare myself for that. I'm just going to take it on the, the chin and move on. Talk about, your approach to, I like sort of the behind the scenes, you know, mm -hmm. sort of, you know, process, your approach to, to content creation. Uh, when we think about, you know, the beat, the beat reporters and sort of at large, there's the game summaries, there's the press conference summaries. There's a little bit sometimes a, of a perfunctoriness uh, to those. And you read one or two of those and you've read them all, you know, to, to some extent. And so, you know, you're award winning in terms of feature articles and enterprise articles uh, where, you know, maybe it's more opinionated or it's more uh, investigative might be the right word, certainly more compelling. What's your approach sort of philosophy balancing? Because I, I imagine your role, you need a little bit of both of those types of articles. What's sort of your balance uh, in, in trying to uh, touch multiples of, of those article type bases? Yeah, I think it's about working on multiple things at once and having multiple plans. Like they're and it's like a short term, like midterm, long term type of plan. So if you're going into it in a presser week by week in the short term, there's a game to be played. There's matchups to break down. Like you said, there's press conference takeaways. But then kind of looking midterm, there might be a player feature that you want to work on or a trend that you're studying. So that for Alabama this year might be running backs. There's going to be a deep stable. Maybe it's charting plays charting play success. Does Alabama move the ball more when Jason McClellan's in the game or Justice Haynes or, or Roy Dell Williams or kind of, okay, who does Jalen Milrow have the best rapport with, or Ty Simpson or Tyler Buckner, whoever's going to be the, the quarterback with receivers? Okay, what's the the play effectiveness? Throwing to Malik Benson or Jermaine Burton or Isaiah Bond and charting that week by week, that might be something that might take four or five games. It's probably unfair to do some type of statistical analysis on that. Sure. After two weeks, that might take four or five weeks. So that's something that you would chart on your own time. And you, you might ask questions week by week to set up that story five weeks from now. But it's kind of something in your back pocket. A long-term story might be something on transfer. Somebody like, let's say Trey Amos, the the cornerback from Louisiana Lafayette, comes in. And let's say he's a, an immediate impact player. And let's say he's, he's playing great on the field. Well, telling the story about how he ended up from Louisiana to Alabama. Sure. That might be something that might take a long time. You might have to talk to us. You might have to talk to us high school coaches. You might have to talk to different sources. You might have to try to build a, some type of foundation for an idea so you can pitch it to Alabama's athletic department and and set up an interview with them. That might take a long period of time, sure. but all of those things are kind of you're kind of working on them all at, at once. You kind of have to to lay out uh, a, a plan. So that's kind of my approach to things is always kind of thinking like, okay, what's important at this very moment in time? How can I um, parlay what's important at this moment in time into something that could be a trend in the midterm. And then all the while 
looking for things a little bit deeper that could turn into a, a long feature story. And I'm not saying that that's my plan. I sure. Everything I said was just off the top of my head. Like, I'm like, okay, maybe this will work. Maybe that, that will work. I don't know. So maybe I'll do those things. Maybe, um, you know, maybe not. We'll see. But those are, that's just kind of an example of how I, how I think and kind of um, how I think all of those aspects of the coverage that you're pointing to can kind of merge together to make for a comprehensive, um, comprehensive, what am I trying to say? Like comprehensive site yeah. or comp- comprehensive con- comprehensive coverage will probably be the, the right word. So I think it's just kind of working in all of those different tiers and then um, trying to, to formulate a plan that's going to um, engage fans because that's ultimately the goal at the end of the day. Um, you know, you want to be a part of the conversation and you want fans to be able to, to come to you for, for good content, to be able to ask you good questions or raise points um, and being able to explore them. I think that's another thing also that I feel like I've done well in my coverage, whether that's high school or whether that was at, at Iowa, is trying to identify what fans are interested in and it might not even be anything football related like like how's the parking at brian at brian denny like what's the tailgate culture like on on campus um how do fans think that that could improve or or anything like that you know some things that are kind of like off the off the beaten path that fans might be interested in so kind of listening to the fans and getting a pulse of stories that they would like to see writers pursue and then seeing if we can kind of fold that into our coverage as well that's awesome. I, I like those style of articles. I like, you know, kind of hear what I'm saying. I, th- I think you I think you probably do. Uh, you know, if you listen to three or four players, uh, their interviews, and then you listen to, you know, Coach Saban interviews, uh, you know, you pretty much can predict the next 20 articles that you're going to see because they're going to, you know, and, and so not that they're bad. It's just, you know, they're all sort of, you know, trading the same right. lanes. And so and to an extent, you have to do that. And I don't have a problem with it, uh, but I like those extras. Like, ooh, I didn't expect that, or that's an angle or a twist on something. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited. I, I always enjoy those articles uh, during the season. Try to do some of that on the on the podcast here, and uh, so I look forward uh, uh, to you know seeing sort of your take, your spin on that. Don't share what you can't share, uh, but you have any uh, cool uh, you know any, any sort of articles in, in the pipeline uh, that uh, that you can tease for us. Yeah, um, one thing that I'm really interested in is um, is Tommy Reese and how somebody of his age at 30 years old has ascended to this point where Nick Saban could have chosen anybody to be his offensive coordinator and Alabama offensive coordinator is one of the most attractive jobs in football period at any level. And he, you know, he, he chose Tommy Reese for this position. So um, you know, I'm hoping to kind of go behind the curtain as much as I can and and try and kind of give fans a detailed view of who he is as a, a person, who he is as a coach, and how he's ascended to to this role. So that's something that um, you know, I'm starting to get the groundwork on and trying to to develop. And when it comes out, um, you know, hopefully that's something that can kind of be maybe a coming out party for me on the yeah. beat or kind of introducing fans to my writing style, the stories that I'm really interested in. So that's um, a, li- a little bit of a, of a teaser. Bear with me. I might take a little bit of time to, sure. to put it all together because I want it when it comes out, I want it to be ironclad, comprehensive, really good reporting. So might take a little bit of time, but that's, you know, probably one of the the main ideas that I had coming in. Fantastic. Fantastic. I promise is, uh, promises to be a good one. Uh, how can our listeners uh, follow uh, follow you? How can they track what you're doing? I know there's the athletic.com. You're on the socials. How, where would where would you steer our listeners to connect with you so they get those articles when they come out? Yeah, 100%. So um, mainly on Twitter, and my Twitter name is at 
skinny Kenny with an underscore at the end. So exactly how it sounds, S-K-I-N-N-Y-K-E-N-N-Y underscore at skinny Kenny on Twitter, theathletic.com, searching my name, Kennington Smith, Kennington Smith the third, Kennington Lloyd Smith the third, all of those things will kind of pop up um, as far as my name. Those are the two ways that, that you can connect with me. If you have a story idea um, or anything that you want to run by me, Smith at theathletic.com. So Smith at theathletic.com, email address at skinnykenny underscore on Twitter. You can send me a DM on there. I believe they're open. And then, um, you know, theathletic.com, searching my name, put a comment under one of my posts. I, I Like I said, I read them. So um, those are the ways that that you can connect with me. Fantastic. I, as, as you're talking about story ideas and you're giving your email, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of people by name that will email you. <laughs> and so that and so that'll be good. And they're great, uh, they're great folks. So uh so that'll be a that'll be a lot of fun. Kennington, open door uh on the podcast. If if you're putting out an article uh and and you want to if there's something that we can do to help promote it, uh if you want to come in and promote it, open door. Uh and uh and as we get into the season, uh I'd I'd love to have you back on and uh and, and talk about you know how the season's unfolding, how your role's unfolding, and then how the team is doing projections, whatever it is at that time. I know I'm not the first person to say this. You know this coming in. Alabama fans take this stuff serious. <laughs> and uh, uh in that vein, uh, I want to extend uh, a warm welcome to the family, uh, so to speak. We're rooting for you. Uh and hey, thanks for joining us tonight. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, 100%. Um, like you said, they take it seriously, and I think that's a good thing. I think that that means that people are invested on it, and I think that also means that if people really care, if you're not putting out um, you know, content that's satisfactory or you're missing the mark or not putting you know, something out that's resonating, they're going to let you know about it. So um, I would encourage fans to, to in, interact with me, to, to hold me uh, accountable, and um, let me know what you want to see on the beat, and let me know what you're, what you're looking for. So you know, I take it all in stride. And if there is something that I feel like can be incorporated to to make it better for everybody, I'm going to do so, certainly. So I appreciate the the welcome. I'm looking forward to interacting with the fans. And um, from my vantage point, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. So uh, hopefully fans will, will come along for the ride and have some fun with me as well. But thank you for having me on. And we're back. What did I tell you? That was a really fun interview. Enjoyed meeting Kennington this evening and uh, talking about his ascension in the sports media world. Uh, as well as his plans for covering Alabama, uh, again, as the new beat reporter for The Athletic. Uh, he posted or he provided sort of his socials, his email. Uh, man, don't hesitate to reach out to him. Let him know that we sent you uh, his way and uh, and offer his support uh, in his new, uh, new capacity. I think he's going to be a lot of fun uh, to see as he progresses, as he develops uh, in the role. And certainly we're going to be tracking and watching Alabama football uh, just anyways. So another uh, interesting voice uh, providing insight and input to the conversation is always welcome. So again, thanks to, for Kennington uh, for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Alabama football podcast. Uh, we really appreciate you and uh, have a great evening. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama football podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just a shout out, a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, t-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, 
on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.